0: You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob bro live from the Cardo Sports Center studio. Welcome to the Gambling Gaucho's. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson, alongside Brandon Helwig tonight of Rivals, talking UCF football live in the Cardinal Sports Center studio. If you need to gear up for fall ball or football, hit up Cardinal Sports Center outside the Loop, live in Lubbock, Texas, or online my cardinalsports.com Kyle, Brandon, how are you guys doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Um so we'll talk a little UFC, UCF tonight, but first, <laughs> UFC.
1: <laughs> Trust me, that happens quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm dyslexic anyway, so we'll see if we can get that straight. At least I didn't lead off with Central Florida, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I don't even care. You know, some fans, that's, that's been a thing with UCF fans for a while. It's like, you don't want to be called Central Florida. It's no longer the Golden Knights. They dropped the Golden in 2007. It triggers some people. I've gotten to the point where I, I don't care anymore. You want to call UCF Central Florida, fine. but But that's the preferred is ucf
0: uh i did want to say first just introduce who you are because on your twitter profile said you've been covering the team since 99 so
1: yeah yeah in- i've been around a while um i've been uh i've been a publisher of ucfsports.com which is part of rivals uh since 1999 um basically when i was a <laughs> senior in high school so it's been a while but i've been uh covering the team since then um You know, pretty much seen everything over the last, you know, probably going on, what, 25 years now, so I've kind of got a little bit of perspective of UCF's journey through the years. I mean, this is, you know, I know, you know, obviously this is a big Big 12 tour for you guys, and and this is just, this is such an exciting moment, exciting time for UCF, because this is a program where, you know, not many people can say they kind of can... They were there for the evolution of, you know, how a program has grown. Like, you know, Texas Tech has been, you know, Southwest comedy. I mean, you guys, before you were born, they were already playing at that top level. Um, You know, I didn't really, I mean, growing up, I, you know, I was aware of UCF. They were a 1AA program, but just to kind of see the different stages, one A independent joining the Mac, I don't even know if people even know that nationally anymore, but they were in the Mac for like three years, football only, Conference USA, American, and now going to the Power Five, or actually Power Four in the Big 12, so it's it's been a fun journey these last 20 plus years.
2: Yeah, you've got to be one of the only reporters in college football who has covered the team uh, like more time than the program existed before you started covering them. Uh, if I did the math right, the program started in 79. So they're out for 20 years before you, and now you've been with them 24 years.
1: Yeah, that, that's a great point. I, I'm that's never been pointed out to me. That's that's really interesting. <laughs> I, thanks for uh, I thanks for that fun the, fact.
2: Yeah, anytime you're in the press box, I think you can look around and say you're the only guy who's covered the team for longer than he hasn't covered the team. Wow, uh, in their history. So that's but interesting. Yeah.
1: And there's a few people who've been around. Um, there's some people you know, affiliated with the team itself. I think Manny Mesker is a name that UCF fans will know. He's, yeah, I think he's been to like every game in, in the program's history. Uh, the UCF's play-by-play announcer. I think I think he's been doing it since either '93 or '94. But uh, yeah, there's yeah. there's not many people that you know. There's a few people that have seniority on on me, but not many.
2: Yeah. Well, you, you did touch on it a little bit there, and I wanted to ask you about UCF's really meteoric rise to um, you know major college football one of the only programs I think you were the first and until James Madison, the only one that was played at every level from division three, all the way up to division one, a or FBS. So you've obviously been around for a big chunk of that and alluded to it a little bit, but what does it mean to arrive in the big 12 after such a quick ascension through the ranks of the sport?
1: You know, I mean, I guess it's been quick and in in some manners and in other ways it it doesn't because, you know, UCF is a program. They've been talking about, you know, obviously wanting to, you know, go up. I mean, you know, when I started following the team, they were always talking about, you know, UCF wanted to join the big East, you know, back in the late nineties, early two thousands. And, and there was a, a pivotal, I guess a pivotal crossroads. Um, I guess it was back in 2003. It was kind of when the initial, um, ACC expansion took place and they were taking Miami Boston college, um, and Virginia tech. And, um, it was UCF at first thought they were going to get the slot in the, in the big East and it ended up going to South Florida, which is kind of been kind of at that point, the rivalry was developing. They had just started a football program, just just you know, from scratch back in 97 was their first ever year. And so it was kind of a competition. You know, Orlando and Tampa are only about an hour and a half apart on the interstate. Um, the, you know, UCF and USF hadn't played any football games yet, but there was always a rivalry there. And so, um, you know they had probably had the more well-rounded overall athletic department they had the better basketball program they had the better basketball facility and I think they had a good relationship with uh, I think the Louisville ad back then who kind of you know vouched for them so they got the slot you know back in 03 I think they started in 05 um, and the biggies and it you know that was that was a really crushing blow to UCF because you know they thought you know there's not a lot of these opportunities not many programs can go from, you know, non, you know, what we called BCS back then, non-BCS status to BCS or Power 5 now. But uh, that was a crushing blow. And and there were some other moments. Obviously, USF started out, you know, really hot. You know, Jim Leavitt was their coach. They were ranked, I think, as high as number two that they like to talk about in 2007. And that was that same season UCF and USF started playing. They had a four year football series that was only scheduled because USF was forced to as part of their exit agreement from Conference USA. And, you know, UCF kind of slid into their spot in Conference USA. And there was a game in 2007 at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa where USF, you know, big and bad member of the BCS Big East, they beat UCF 64 to 12. I mean, it was a butt kicking. And just that might have been the lowest point you know, for a UCF fan over these last, you know, 20, 25 years, because that was your hated rival, you know, there at the upper echelon of college football, they were going to be ranked, I think a few weeks later, they were ranked number two and, you know, UCF is kind of, you know, it was fun. There were some fun times, you know, Conference USA, some new venues and just, you know, it was still fun, but but it was really gut wrenching because you saw what, what they had become, but, you know, as, as the decade plus, Moved along, USF floundered, they didn't take advantage of the opportunity they got. UCF continued to grow, and the biggest thing that I would always say the biggest cha- turning point for UCF was building an on-campus stadium. Because that was a thing where UCF and USF were you know, si- similar, In the early days, you know, of course, USF had a nicer stadium because that was where the Tampa Bay Bucks played. But UCF was playing, you know, near downtown in in the Citrus Bowl, which, you know, they host, you know, the bowl games for years down here. And, you know, it's not a great venue. It's definitely not a great area and but when you're not it doesn't really matter if the stadium is nice or not when you're not on campus you don't you know you don't cultivate the fan base you don't get the alumni back the students that go there they're not as invested and so when UCF opened it actually opened up with Texas in 2007 and it being a really really close game before UCF barely lost to the end but that's been the number one change it's helped in recruiting it's helped grow the fan base the students that you know any obviously UCF is a really big school so they have a big you know base to, to draw from but that has really you know ex- that's really the biggest difference and I've UCF, you know, they kinda of hit lighting in a bottle, late, uh, late 2010s with Scott Frost and McKenzie Milton and that undefeated streak. And that's probably the reason UCF is in the is in the Big Twelve today. But, you know, I wouldn't change it. I know at that time I think UCF fans were, you know, kind of despondent over the you know different fortunes that it looked like between UCF and USF. But I know there's a lot of satisfaction in Orlando that um you know UCF is where they are right now and and USF is kind of toiling behind and, you know, whatever league they're gonna be in and you know, kind of the, the the new American with North Texas and Charlotte and FAU. And a lot of UCF fans take satisfaction at that.
0: So in this transition, uh, how important is it to have a guy like Gus on at the helm?
1: I mean, it's it's great because, you know, that's someone who's, you know, he's been at the highest level of college football, coaching the SEC, you know, been to a national championship, won one when he was a coordinator. And I think the, the, biggest, the biggest thing with him is just the recruiting standpoint. I, I think for years, UCF, you know, where they're located in the middle of the state in Florida, I mean, you know – They've recruited. I mean, UCF has been a successful program. Like, don't get me wrong. Like you know, they've they've won conference championships. They were doing well, but I think there was always a sense that you know, and, and maybe it was just you know, the non-BCS, the non-power five status, kind of you know, was you know, kind of working against them. But I always felt UCF could recruit better than they had, um, especially if you look at the coach before. Gus Malzahn, which was Josh Hypel He was a terrible recruiter. The staff was a terrible recruiting staff. I, I know he's doing well at, at Tennessee now, but Tennessee recruits itself. Now they have NIL money, so I mean, good luck to him. I liked him; he was fine, but but he just couldn't recruit. Like the recruiting class, I think the year before Gus Malzahn came, it, it was you know COVID and. You know, you, could, you know, obviously it was all on Zoom, and you know, it was, it, of course, that, it, was, it was terrible. It was a terrible time to be recruiting, but that was a train wreck recruiting class for you. Yeah, they, they just couldn't recruit anybody. They're recruiting random players from Germany. I mean, just I, I know there's been some German players that, but they, they were just, yeah, you know, it, it was just a mess. And that's the one thing, even before. UCF knew they were going to the Big 12. Gus Malzahn came and overhauled the recruiting. He knows how to recruit. I mean, he's actually got a good personality. He knows how to you know talk to kids and talk to their parents. I don't think Hypo knew how to do that as well. And uh, so that's the thing. And ever since they got the Big 12 invitation, I mean, it just exploded. And I think we're starting to see it this year, now that you know, obviously you know UCF is about to you know be playing a Big Twelve schedule. You look at the recruiting rankings, and you know, I've said now it's going to be a sixteen team league. But UCF right now is currently at the and it was kind of neck and neck with Texas Tech for a while. But I think that's the, been the the number one advantage of having a, a coach like Gus Malzahn is the recruiting aspect.
2: Well, you guys are making a ton of noise in recruiting for twenty twenty four and beyond. I, you know, depending which service you look at, I think you'll have nine four stars and maybe more on the way, who knows. And so yeah. UCF is getting a lot of attention. And I'm a I'm buying stock in this, that y'all could be one of the top three programs in the new Big 12. Um, you know, kind of unique with that Florida recruiting advantage. I know West Virginia recruits Florida a lot, but it's not their backyard the same way it is for y'all. And with Malzahn, when he's got a good quarterback and an athletic quarterback, to me, there's not a more fun offense to watch. And I'm fascinated by John Rice Plumlee. You can see in my screen name here. I'm a JRP believer. <laughs> I, like um, I think people know he's a running quarterback, but I think his overall athleticism is still a little bit undersold. I'm going to read you some career stats that I dug up earlier this offseason. 3,500 uh, career passing yards and 19 touchdowns, 2,000 yards rushing, 23 touchdowns, 26 catches, 296 yards, and he batted 286 uh, slugged 384 with a or 384 on base percentage, slugged 505, scored 43 runs, 10 homers, 32 RBIs, and 18 stolen bases on the baseball diamond. Like he's got to be the only guy in the NCAA, much less Division I, with that kind of portfolio. So tell us about your quarterback. I know there's kind of high expectations for him going into this season, and maybe what Big 12 fans can expect from John Rice Pumley this season.
1: I mean, I think we're really hoping... And I know we talk about John Rice Palmer like he's this experienced quarterback, and he's been, you know... Obviously, it's going to be his final year of eligibility. He's been playing college football since 2019, but he's not... I, this is good. You, know, you always talk about freshman to sophomore year, whatever you make the biggest jump. But this is really this past season was his first year as a full time starting quarterback. And so, you know, before he got to UCF, you know, he transferred from Ole Miss. He started his career there as a, as a quarterback. They had the coaching change. Um, was it was like Matt uh, Matt Luke to to Lane Kiffin, and you know he didn't fit what you know Lane Kiffin wanted to do. And they had Matt Corral anyway. They do think the only reason he played that first year is because Matt Corral got hurt. But you know Matt Corral was going to be their quarterback for the next couple of years, and, and John Rice actually moved to wide receiver, so he wasn't even playing it was, it was The year before he got to UCF. He wasn't even really playing quarterback. Um, so you know he comes in last year. It was kind of a you know it was an interesting quarterback battle because there was an in- incumbent returning starter. Um, well, I guess you say returning. Sorry, he, he had started because Dylan Gabriel, who was now the starting quarterback at Oklahoma, he got hurt. And so there was a, a freshman, Mikey Keene, eventually took over and he had led UCF to a victory against Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl, which was a, a huge deal. I mean, UCF obviously had never been Florida before that didn't have you know very many matchups in the past. So that was a, that was a huge moment, you know, coming off that season. So a lot of people were rooting for him to get win the starting job, you know, Players on the team were you know, they were rooting for Mikey Keene. That was the guy they knew. He was that was the guy that was part of the team. And, you know, Gus brought in John Rice, Plumley. You know, it was one of those deals where you know they didn't bring it they didn't bring in the transfer to have him you know not win the job. It was one of those things that probably was a tighter battle but I think the coaches were hoping. Um, so when John Rice was named the starting quarterback, I think there were some players on the team and there's some people that thought it should have gone the other direction. so it was kind of a, a rocky start in a way even you know people in the, even that you know people didn't I'm telling you now, but that wasn't you know public you know that was more of a behind the scenes deal. So, and he was kind of learning. I mean, he was learning a lot of stuff about playing quarterback that he had never really done it before. He had never really been a full-time starter. So, you know, to kind of, you know, not (laughs) get too long winded, a lot of people are excited at least at least the buzz right now there's UCF has a new offensive coordinator and quarterback coach Darren Henshaw that's one thing Gus did this past offseason he kind of you know he's always been his own offensive coordinator um he's always called plays he's kind of you know passed the baton a little bit to to Henshaw to take that over and we're hearing a lot of buzz about the improvement you know we'll see it i haven't seen any practices UCF is you know there everything's always closed you can never see anything but there's a lot of buzz that he's going to take that next step and I know he's an athletic quarterback he can run um you know but he he's got to stay healthy and that's one thing that you know, he was a little bit injury prone last year because you know he was taking on defenders and he didn't have to. Like in the Cincinnati game, you know, he's trying to you know get a first down, get one more yard, and he's putting his head. You know, he's getting nailed in the head. He got a concussion, and so he had to leave that game. He got a hamstring issue. There was a game at FAU. I don't know if you have ever seen some highlights. He was jumping over a guy and did some crazy flipping to the end zone. I mean, it worked out. I mean, he could have literally laid it on his head and been seriously injured. So there's some things they're trying to dial back with him, not to you know. I know he wants to sell out for the team and do whatever it takes, but He's got to stay healthy. And there's a lot of weapons. UCF has, you know, running back depth, maybe like they never had before in their history. There's wide receiver talent. And so he just got to get the ball out to where it needs to go. But long story short, people are very excited to see the improvement. And that's basically UCF is going to go as as much as John Rice improves. And but there is a lot of excitement about him being year two uh, starting quarterback.
0: You alluded to it there at the end. Talk about that running back depth and the wide receivers he's going to be throwing to.
1: Yeah, uh, and this is probably, you know, it is, it should be the the deepest UCF has ever been at running back. Uh, they've got a lot of different types of running backs in their arsenal. R.J. Harvey will probably end up being the number one guy. Uh, he was a former quarterback in high school. A transfer from Virginia. He's been here a few years now. He had a really good season last year. He's come. He was coming off a, a knee injury and in ACL, and you know he, he didn't he didn't miss a beat. They've got you know Johnny Richardson is the guy who's been around. He's always a threat to take it to the house. And a guy that, you know, there's a guy named Demarcus Bowman. Uh, he's a transfer. I think he started his career at Clemson. Then he transferred to Florida. It didn't really work out at either place. He transferred to UCF last year. He already used up his free transfer, so he had to redshirt and sit out. But he's a former five star. He's a guy that had tremendous talent that everyone in the nation wanted. And we're hearing a lot of buzz about him. He's going to be a star. So there's a lot of options at that position. And then at wide receiver, um, one thing that you know guess has been able to recruit is, is SEC transfer. So UCF's top two receivers are likely going to be Javon Baker. Um, I think he led the team in receiving yards last year. He's a former Alabama transfer. Kobe Hudson was one of Gus's former players at Auburn. He also transferred in. Those are probably gonna be the top two guys. He also got another transfer. We'll see how he fits in everything. But Corey Gamage was Marshall's number one receiver last year, so he's he just got here during the summer. We have really haven't seen him play yet, but they've they've got they've got some 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 bodies there. So, um, you know, and and what. Darren Henshaw, the offensive coordinator you know, they're talking about, you know, they want to move the ball down the field. The tempo is going to be quicker. They, you know, they're going to take longer shots, um, UCF and the deep ball really hasn't been a thing since Dylan Gabriel was here, so we'll see how that translates in real life. They're talking about doing it. We'll see if they can actually do it because you know that was one of the knocks on John Rice last year was kind of his his accuracy, you know, beyond the beyond the short, you know, intermediate throws, which even the intermediate throws weren't always accurate either. But but that that's the one thing is is John Rice improved in that area like everyone says he is, and is UCF going to be able to do what Darren Hinshaw wants to do? Uh, that's that's something we're we're anxious to find out.
2: Tell us a little bit about what UCF has in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Um, looks like a pretty experienced offensive line, at least the, the starting group and a couple good edge rushers. We had one of them, uh, Tremon Morris Brash on our preseason, all big 12 ballot. One of very few newcomers to the conference that we put on our ballot. And, uh, so yeah tell us a little bit about the offensive line and defensive line.
1: Yeah, well uh you yeah, know that's that's great you guys saw some talent on UCF d- defensive line because you know looking at the all preseason Big 12 teams I don't think UCF had any, any representatives. I mean Cincinnati had I think they had Dante Corleone, and maybe their punter or something but most of the newcomers didn't. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't blame them. no one's – the the the, the Legacy schools aren't familiar with the new schools, but you see us to talk about the the defensive line since you brought it up. That's this is probably will end up being at least, you know, the starting four should be. I mean, I feel like I'm doing a UCF hype job here, but probably maybe could be one of the best defensive fronts that, that UCF has. I mean, we'll see. I mean, they've got experience. So that's the thing. Three of the spots are going to be incredibly experienced guys. Uh, probably, you know, I think all of them are in their final year of eligibility at Josh Seliskar. You mentioned Traymond Morris Brash. who was UCF sack leader last year. He's, he generated a lot of hype during preseason camp. They got Ricky Barber, uh, one of the defensive tackles. He should be an NFL prospect. He's really good. And there's a lot of hype about Lee Hunter, another defensive tackle. He's an Auburn transfer. He was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. People are saying that you know maybe he was in the best shape last year, but now he is, and he's like a beast inside. Um, they got some young talent behind those guys. I mean, they're this that should be, you know, when you look at the overall defense, the defensive line, you know, if you had to say rank, you know, D-line, linebacker, secondary, the D-line should be the strength of the UCF defense. Then when you look at the offensive line, they did lose a couple starters from last year. You know, they returned a couple guys, but then they added a lot of transfers and seeing how those guys mix in right now center is probably the number one question um they got three guys battling out but it it looks like drake metcalf um who came from stanford looks like he's probably the favorite to, to earn the starting job and they got uh, another guy another transfer marcellus marshall uh he was an all mac player at kent state last year and i think he'll start in one of the guard spots but they got you know they got lakahi paole i think he'll just He's been playing on the offensive line since 2019. He's an experienced guy. We'll see. They got a lot of tackles. We'll see how that... Kind of shapes out whether it's Paul Rubelt or at Collins. I think it's Tyler Gray will definitely have one of these. But but they've got guys who are playing. They've got they brought in transfers. They, I mean, like I said, I feel like I'm hyping up. I'm like their hype man. But but the, the coaches have said it. Uh, the offensive line coach said it. He feels um, Herb Hand, who used to coach at University of Texas, but he he feels this is the deepest offensive line that he's had anywhere he's ever been. That you know, usually he's a guy and maybe every offensive line coach is different. He's always been, whoever my five guys are, we're going to play them the entire game. I mean, unless they're injured, you know, we're going to, that's our five. Now he's, you know, I don't know. I, I think maybe with transfer portal and, and all that stuff, maybe you got to change your philosophy because other guys got to play sometimes to feel like they're playing a role on this team. Otherwise they'll get upset and transfer. But but he's been saying that he's, you know, he has no problem with rolling two different lines. I can make a wholesale change. You know, here's your first five. And then later in the game, we're going to put in a second five. He thinks the depth is that good. You know, well, is that just coach? Speak. I don't know, but yeah, there's a lot of optimism on, on on both both sides of the ball this year.
0: Does UCF have the experience to compete for a Big Twelve title? Um, it, Texas Tech is has 30 seniors on the roster. I went and counted because I I assume that was the most. UCF has 43.
1: You know, I'm going to say I, it's it's just, it's so hard to make that proclamation. Just because you know UCF's not been in the Big 12. They haven't, you know, competed at the power five level. Now, I I you know all these names of these players that I'm I'm talking about, I you know, they're power five quality players. Okay. You know, how that translates, you know, that's obviously, you know, we're all <laughs> waiting to see. Um, you know, I've heard other people, you know, Phil Steele, I've heard interviews he's done that, you know, I know obviously Texas Tech is kind of the 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 sexy name to be the sleeper. Everyone's hyping up Texas obviously, but I know Texas Tech, you know, is kind of that popular, you know, sleeper team, maybe how TCU was last year. You know, but I I you see, I mean, at least amongst the four new newcomers, you know, UCF, Cincinnati, BYU, and Houston, UCF is best positioned to have the, the what am I trying to say here? They're, they're best best position to make a run of the Big Twelve championship. I don't think the other three teams are really ready to do so. Um, you know, and and we'll we'll, we'll see. I mean, UCF schedule. They don't play Texas. They don't play TCU. Um, they got to go on the road to Kansas State for for the for the the, for the, uh, the Big Twelve opener. Um, I, I think yeah, I, I think they have a chance. You know, I, I'm want to <laughs> act like I'm a big homer and acting like they're gonna win the Big Twelve championship, but I don't think it's as crazy as some people might think.
2: We do like to have at least somewhat of a sports betting angle on the podcast, and so we'll leave you with a couple um, kind of prop bets. I think that UCF is best position of the four newcomers to finish the highest in the standings. Like you said, does that mean competing for a conference title year one? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, if I said UCF or the field, the other three teams combined, and gave you even odds on both sides, who would you say has a team that finishes highest in the Big 12 standings this season?
1: I'd pick UCF. UCF? I think so.
2: Of the other three newcomers, I'm curious, which one do you think is like closest to UCF?
1: that's a great question Uh Cincinnati just hasn't been the same I, I don't think they're gonna be the same since fickle left um Houston Houston's just been disappointing constantly <laughs> I don't know you know um you know and BYU I don't really know a lot I mean Houston's been in the same conference obviously as Cincinnati and Houston I don't know a lot about BYU it seems like every year or two I it's BYU kind of funny because I, I always like I always kind of dog BYU in my head like man you know with you know, all the restrictions they have and who they recruit and all this stuff. And you know, now there's NIL and, you know, I always think they're – but then they surprise me. Like every few years they put together a roster where they're – you know, Zach Wilson, you know, a few years ago. And, you know, they get these, these you know, I don't know, these guys that go on missions and they're like 26 years old playing the offensive line. They always just do something that kind of kind of surprises me, so – um, yeah, I don't know a lot about about them coming back, but uh, but yeah, I I definitely think UCF, like I said, is is best position amongst the four to to make a splash.
2: How about the season win total? I I see it at six and a half most places, uh, dealing over or under a, that number. And tell us a little bit about your non conference schedule as well. We didn't
1: really, I don't know. If yeah, um, that. you know, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna pick over. Um, I, I think as long as John Rice makes the jump that everyone is hoping or. Proclaiming he's going to make And he stays healthy And is overall team-wise Stay relatively healthy I don't think 10 wins Is out of the question Um, The non-conference schedule um, First week It's on the Thursday night They play Kent State Which is I'm just I I know it's football. I'm glad it's the first game because the first game doesn't matter who you really play. But, you know, their coach went to Colorado to be the offensive coordinator. I think every starter on last year and they weren't any good anyway. And then then I think every starter transferred out. So, I mean, that's just they're going to kill Kent Kent State. That's not going to be competitive at all. There's going to be nothing we take away from that game. You know, (laughs) whatever. But the second week. Uh this is interesting. I, I think UCF kinda of hopes this they kind of wish this game wasn't on the schedule just because now they're in the Big Twelve and travel is, is so far as they go all the way to Boise State in week two. Um so that's a long trip. I know it'll be longer than all the other Big Twelve games. You know, I think Boise was you know, they usually are, but they were predicted to win the Mountain West. Um, so that'll be a good barometer just to see, can UCF handle the travel? Can they go into a difficult environment and, you know, handle it? And they should, I mean, they should beat Boise, but there's, you know, there's a lot, you know, they got to go and do it. So that'll kind of tell us a lot of kind of where they are as, as a team. And then in uh, week three, they got Villanova, you know, an FCS team. So that's the non-conference. And after that, the first big 12 game is on the road at K-State.
0: So you're going over on the the season win total. I I kind of assumed that after we uh, had the conversation. I just you got to ask, right?
1: Yeah. All right,
0: tell the people <laughs> tell the people where they can find you, uh, where you're writing, where you're where you're tweeting.
1: Yeah, UCF Sports, as you see my name down there, that's my Twitter handle, uh, website is ucfsports.com, and yeah, we're kind of in that phase of camp where, you know, we interview a lot of people almost every day, but we don't really see anything, so it's kind of frustrating. We see it like it's kind of repetitive after a while. I'd, I'd love to see a, a practice or a skirmish with my own eyes to kind of see how the team's doing, but they keep everything pretty much locked out, but it's it won't be too much, it's not too much longer. We're approaching uh, two weeks out, so uh, everyone's excited for that.
2: Well, thank you for joining us. It looks like from the comments in our stream, you brought a ton of viewers and fans with you. So we appreciate great. the added audience. And uh, tell all your UCF followers that uh, we're, we're their go to place for Texas Tech coverage if they want it.
1: Oh, the go to place is the Gambling Gauchos. Does it pronounce that right? Is it Gauchos? Yeah. Gaucho. All right, great. Okay. Gambling Gauchos. All right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys for having me. Yeah. That's thanks cool. so much. Take care. care. YouTube.
0: There's Brandon Helwig of Rivals.com. Uh, you go follow him for all your UCF stuff. Um, he was pumped, man. Yeah, I can't blame him. I really can't blame him. I I've I'm not as on board with John Rice Plumley as you are uh, as a quarterback, but as an athlete, he's one of the best in the Big Twelve, I think. Uh, and you haven't met uh, in the Big Twelve. Where there's not a lot of great quarterbacks, granted, I think the list is – I think you could be in the middle there with, with John Rice.
2: Yeah I, yeah, I know he said that Gus has an offensive coordinator call in place for the first time maybe in his entire career. But if, if it's Nick Marshall-style, basically triple option from the shotgun and throwing it you know, on some read option type stuff, on, a, on some RPO – I, I think John Rice Plumlee can be good in that system. Like, but I want him in Kitley's probably not. Just not that kind of game. But if it's a if it's a modern triple option thing, like the Kendall Briles offense or what Jalen Daniels is doing at Kansas, I I think he could be really good. in that. I, I didn't watch a ton of UCF football last year, but again, like his highlights are legit. I know he's got stuff to work on. And how many guys are that good at multiple positions in football at the Division one level and can Bat nearly 300. Like, he's just he's a good athlete, and I, I like guys like that. It, it's intriguing to me.
0: You like uh, running quarterbacks, him and Garrett Green.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll Tyler to that. yeah, Tyler Tyler took, Shuck, yeah, <laughs> 20, 24 carries in the bowl game.
0: Uh, I referenced the 43 seniors. Do you, this is just me counting rosters. It was in the summer, so it was summer rosters. Uh, UCF had 43. Do you want to venture a couple of guesses on who else had more than 25 seniors on their roster?
2: Yeah, I'll make some guesses. I don't know if Texas – I feel like Texas Tech would be up there because all their starters are so old, but yeah. I don't know if that's just because those guys are old or if, like, that permeates the entire team. So I would guess Tech.
0: They have 30, and then 15 are super
2: seniors. Okay. Um, They're the
0: only ones that really listed super senior. Most every other roster just says senior.
2: Okay. Who else is old? Um I kind of lean toward like programs that have had a little bit more coaching continuity. So like but I don't know, some of them have had portal issues. Is is BYU pretty old?
0: BYU has 18.
2: Okay. So that's
0: it up says of the forty three seniors, only five start. That's what that's what I was wondering. That's Hmm. why I asked the question.
2: Who are the other teams that have a bunch of seniors?
0: Uh, Oklahoma has 28. Oklahoma State has 28 now. A bunch of those might be transfers in on their last two Raws. Yeah. Uh, Baylor has eight seniors. Interesting. I'm selling Baylor, I think, a little bit this year. I know it's an odd year and it's Baylor, but.
2: Yeah, and, and so, something's got to give, because we're going to go on a Baylor podcast tomorrow tomorrow. And they apparently, for the life of them, like cannot figure out why anybody is hyped about Texas Tech. And I was listening to their season preview. And I'll, I mean, I'll tell this to their face on the podcast, but they'll like go through the games like, yeah, that's a win. Like, we're gonna dominate that game for 60 minutes. Like, very confident. Like, they've got a five and one, six and start. They're doing their second half of the season preview later. But they they're looking at the schedule, like, oh yeah, Baylor, easy, you know. And I don't know. I think that they I think Baylor is going to be competitive, but I think a lot of their games are like 50-50 type games. And those guys are confident in Baylor. They're not confident in tech. So we'll see if we can come to some sort of mutual understanding tomorrow. But uh, yeah, Baylor, I feel like was primed. They had a lot of sixth-year seniors last year and fifth-year seniors when they won the Big 12. And now it's kind of like turn the page time. And if you reloaded and you recruited and developed well, then maybe there's not much of a drop-off. But if you didn't, it's, it's going to show, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that was... A six and six, six and 16,
2: six and seven, actually. Yeah. They lost oh. to air force in their arch rivals stadium yeah. in the bowl game.
0: So. I did. I didn't forget. I just was given him the benefit of the doubt there. I'm not, uh, speaking of arch rivals, uh, TCU and SMU, not going to play anymore. TCU taking SMU off their schedule in a couple of years. Uh, I gave my thoughts this afternoon on the Rob brochure. I'll give him my thoughts here, but I want to hear yours first. Um, Is this the death of regional college football? Is it the death nail of realignment? Or is it just TCU taking off a game that's not been competitive in 20 years?
2: It's a symptom of a broader. I'm not going to blame TCU for ruining regional rivalries. Like we've obviously been going down that path. Yeah. Um, But it is so stupid. With all, like, weren't we talking about last week? the mental health of the student athletes they got to fly all over the place you've got a competitive D1 program in the same metro area as you and you won't play them why Be- like let's face it cuz we're we're scared and the way they phrase it isn't we're scared it's oh there's no upside to beating them well okay everybody's schedule has an FCS team on it like TCU played Tarleton last year what was the upside to winning that game there was none so th- this this weird development of like well we're not going to play a team that is our rival, but they're kind of lesser than because if they beat us, that'd be a bad look. Yeah. That's the, that's why you want to win the game. Right. Right. I'm about to go full Herm Edwards. Like you're supposed to not like losing to teams that you play. Right. Like, am I crazy? You play to win the game. Yeah. And you know, tech fans were like that with Houston. They're like, don't schedule Houston. They're a group of five and there's no advantage to beating them. Like, Well, okay, whatever. Sack up and play them if you don't want to lose to Houston, then go beat them. Like, you get a shot, you get 60 minutes to go out there and beat them, right? So, Would if you, you don't want to lose to SMU, then don't play them and beat them.
0: Would you want to play a team every year, though? A group of five team,
2: the same group of five team? Well, no, I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be every year, but they've played 105 times. I mean, right, they should play. I don't know, most years, maybe take a year off like home and home and then we get a break, then home and home, like play two out of three years. And like I'll say the same with Tech, like Tech should play Tech should play SMU now if they're not going to be on TCU schedule. You have so many alumni in, in the Dallas area, play them home and home. You don't have to do some. Oh, well, we're better. So it has to be a two for one. Just play them home and home for a four game. You know, it doesn't have to be every year in perpetuity, but like that's a good non-con game. I think Joey would like that. and
0: It's better than ACU or Tarleton.
2: Yeah, like I, I saw somebody already tweeted this or posted it on Red Raider Sports. Like, the year that you don't play TCU in Fort Worth, play SMU in Dallas. That way you're always in. Yeah. And like, we're we're already playing UNT soon, I think. we You might even play them in Denton next year. But like, yeah, Texas Tech is a program that should be playing in the Metroplex. And so if that's not TCU, play UNT, play SMU. Like, to me, this isn't hard. And so... I get not playing every year. I understand that. And you want to go national, but the conferences have gone so national. Like if you were in the if we were in a version of the Southwest Conference and you didn't want to play Rice or Houston every year, okay, that makes sense because like 7 of your games are going to be in the state of Texas. But now you're in a conference with Florida and West Virginia and Ohio and Utah, so like play some games in Texas. That makes sense to me.
0: Uh, Alex asking in the comment section, did I miss Brandon? Yes, you did. Brandon was on for the first 30 minutes. Uh, You can go back and rewatch him open up the the conversation with us. Um, Yeah, it's not the death of regional rivalries. Do I wish SMU and TCU would play more? No, I don't really care. Um, And I think a little bit of that is Texas Tech doesn't have a regional rivalry. Like there's nobody around here. Like you're not playing the Mexico. You're not playing UTEP a lot uh, there's not really a school comparable comp- comparable you know what I'm trying to say to SMU around here so if texas tech had one of those and they were losing it i might say you know you're a little you're a little hot headed to say that you can just take that off the schedule and be fine but i i don't have one to miss so who cares
2: yeah i mean like if we if we if we had played utep 100 times in our history sure. and then Kirby said, we're not going to play UTEP anymore. I'd be like, well, why not? Um, they're probably, well, I don't know. They're, they're not any closer than Dallas-Fort Worth. I mean, playing UNT is just as, but, but that's, a, that's the thing with me is I don't want to hear this griping about student-athlete mental health and travel costs and time zones when you could take an Uber 30 minutes to SMU Stadium and play them on the cheap and you just refuse to do it. I think that's stupid. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Especially in the new Big 12.
2: We got a comment. Texas Tech versus Florida International make it happen. That game was played two years ago. We played Florida International. So
0: Yep, and love it.
2: <laughs> um, but but yeah, I'll, I'll throw this in here because I I spent hours and hours and hours compiling that um TV viewership data. And so I feel like I should utilize this nugget. Sure. But when Texas Tech played Houston last year, at the time Houston was a group of five. So in-state power five versus group of five on FS1. I think – I'd have to go back and look. I think it had around 700,000 viewers, maybe 800. And uh, TCU played same weekend. I can't remember what network they were on, but it was a better network than FS1. So their viewership was higher. And a TCU fan tried to chirp at us on Twitter that, like, they get more viewers than tech kind of thing. And I was like, well, let's go back to the last time you played a group of five team on FS1, and it was – It was the iron skillet game, TCU versus SMU. And it got like maybe 400. So roughly half of what Tech versus Houston got. So yeah, nobody, it's not like A&M and Texas refusing to play each other. It's not some big national rivalry that everybody cares about. And that's where I sympathize with the TCU fans who were like, don't come after us. Like nobody really cares about this rivalry besides these two schools. Don't act like we're the ones starting this domino of regional rivalries. Like, yeah, outside the Metroplex, nobody really cares about that game and that is evident from the TV viewership, but still, it's, it's still stupid just in principle.
0: Yeah. Uh, what else happened today? Oh, uh, oh, what's his name? Stewie. Stewie's on the, the front row of the bus, uh, the hype bus for Texas tech, the hype train. Uh, consider him the, what, what do you say? The front row seat on the hype train.
2: Yeah. Nothing has done more to diminish my confidence in Texas Tech this season. Then Stuart Mandel coming out I was like, yeah, Texas Tech is underrated. Watch out for them as a dark horse. I was like, God dang it. Now I'm like, okay, are we yep. maybe we're overrated. You know? we need to pump the brakes? Scale it back, yeah, seven and five incoming.
0: Uh one of the first comments we got tonight is Texas Tech the most under uh the most overrated, underrated team in the country, asking for a friend. So
2: we're having first the exact game. same off season as Kansas State last year. It yeah. starts in like May or June, like, hey, this team might be a dark horse. And then by August, when you're everybody's dark horse, you're not a dark horse. You're just a perceived contender. And so at this point, no, we're not going to sneak up on anybody. And so I, I don't know if that means we're overrated, but no, we're we're past the dark horse phase. If you're everybody's dark horse, then you're not a dark horse.
0: Yeah, if national guys like uh, Brett McMurphy and Shonja Raj have you in their top 25, you're getting buzzed somewhere. Even though Shehan said today that he was maybe overrating people and he was going to start looking through the people he might have overrated and looked at Texas Tech.
2: But we can all agree on something that's not overrated.
0: We can. Go ahead and tell them about it.
2: That would be our friends over at Rehino Barbecue, cooking up the best barbecue in West Texas. UCF fans, if you're still with us, come to Lubbock, Texas. We will treat you right for the weekend in November now, is there Disney World? No, but there's Joyland. Is it open? No. Does that stop people from going? No. But our amusement parks may pale in comparison to Orlando, but our barbecue is uh, something special. So come on out to Lubbock when you're here. You know what? I'm going to put the offer out. If any UCF fans listening to this are coming in November, I will pay for their Regino barbecue if they want to make the trek out to Olton with us. Open five days a week now. Rahino market open seven days a week. bbq.com Order ahead to make sure that your food is there when you arrive, because the gospel has been spread. The word is out. The lines are long, and you do not want to miss out on your ribs, brisket, jalapeno poppers, whatever it is. Rahino Barbecue. Give them a follow on social as well.
0: Absolutely. Don't fuck it up. Says he's coming. Okay. Mark it down. Tad says, will you pay for him, too? Yeah. Yes.
2: Is Tad a UCF fan now?
0: Yeah. He's also a Picador.
2: Yeah, I know. He's not Luke's father.
0: Not Luke's father, no.
2: I am your father, but not really. Star Wars reference.
0: What else you got tonight, Kyle?
2: You want to talk about some freaks?
0: Let's talk about some freaks on the list. Freak-a-leak.
2: We got three in the top, what, 60-something? Yeah. Yeah. And this is an obvious observation, but one worth noting. A lot of freaks have come through Texas Tech. Uh, Michael Crabtree. I would say Jakeem Grant is a freak. I would say Jason Morrow is a freak. I would say Patrick Mahomes is a freak. Sure. And when people like the athletic or maybe the average reader of the athletic thinks of Texas Tech, they think of those guys. They think of 6,000 yards passing. What they're not thinking about are two defensive linemen and a defensive back. I love that. Our freaks aren't some speedy wide receiver or some quarterback who can throw at 85 yards. It's two defensive linemen and a defensive back. So that was what jumped out at me initially. It was like, okay, one, I'm glad we got some freaks, and two, it's kind of cool that they're on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Yeah, all three of them on the defensive side. Three defensive freaks. When's the last time Texas Tech, you could say, had three freaks and they were all defensive?
2: There might have been a decade, Rob, where like on the all-decade team, I might have been like, okay, we've got three freaks on the defensive side. Because even your good players that have come through here, Kerry Hyder, I wouldn't say he's a freak. He's a good defensive lineman, but there was nothing that was like, oh, his wingspan is freaky or his bench press is freaky. And now now we're just like just getting started. All three of these guys are portal guys that these dudes brought in. Imagine after we stacked these high school classes with 20 dudes in them and Blanchard's just recruiting freak after freak after freak. It's going to be freaky up in here in Lubbock. The freaks come out at night.
0: Well, they're not all transfer guys. Jalen Hutchings has been here since day one.
2: But the ones who made the list were Steve Linton, Miles Cole, and Tyler Owens, right?
0: I believe Jalen Hutchings was one of them. Oh. Was I wrong?
2: I don't know. I I skimmed. I should have uh, read a little bit more diligently, apparently.
0: I believe Jalen Hutchings was one of the freaks because he can squat 600 pounds and ran for 18 miles an hour. And uh, was a former running back in high school. So there's one. And then Steve Linton, I believe, was the other.
2: Okay. Well, Miles Cole is also a freak, and he was snubbed from that list. So we should have four freaks on the defensive side of the ball. It was Tyler Owens, Miles Cole, and Jalen Hutchings. Okay, so Steve Linton, different tidbit. He was not on the athletics freak list. But he was – there was a blurb about him that resurfaced today, actually from a July ESPN article. They said that certain scouts right now have him in the top 100, so basically like third or fourth round draft pick. And just last episode, I was saying, oh, if he gets 10 sacks this year, he might ascend to the third or fourth round. Apparently, he's already viewed that way in some circles. And if he has a double-digit sack, all-conference-type season, they're talking first round for Steve Linton. Yeah, This isn't me. This isn't some doofus. These are like – big 12 region scouts that ESPN is talking to just people who kind of know how to project to the next level. And, you know, mock drafts are not super credible all the time, but again, the fact that he's getting this sort of buzz outside of the four walls of the Texas tech football facility is, is crazy. And so if you have three freaks and a dude that is right now sitting at third or fourth round, who could work his way into the first round, all on the defensive side of the ball, sign me up.
0: Yeah. Hutchings squatted 700, benched 500 and ran 18 miles an hour.
2: And what do you think the odds are that he squatted 700 and wanted to do more? And they were like, no, like, we're not letting you put 750 yeah. on your back. That's the PR, man. You got it. So who knows what he can actually squat? I, I bet it's it's insane to say it's probably more than 700. It could be
0: and it 18, is, uh,
2: 18 miles an hour is like moving. That's like senior sack, you know, chasing down the running backs in his old highlight tapes. That's that's crazy.
0: Yeah, that's getting sideline to sideline, at at nearly three hundred pounds, three hundred pounds. Yeah, that's moving.
2: Well, he's he's got to be so tough to play against. Cause he's he's what five eleven. Yeah, and he's just right under like the offensive lineman's shoulder pads. As soon as the ball snapped, that kind of strength, that kind of speed is just. I'm excited, man. I what have we got? Seventeen days.
0: When he's flashed he's flashed the last couple of years. If he can put together a full season of production, it's just going to be crazy.
2: He has a bunch of plays too, that like it it may not end in a sack or a tackle for loss, but the quarterback is running for his life. Yeah. And like, he'll check it down. So like the offense gets three yards and you don't think, Oh, that's some huge negative play, but who knows? Like without seeing the all 22, there might've been some guy open 20 yards downfield that the quarterback wanted to hit and Jalen Hutchings ruins the play for him. So he's, he's just always there. I and I, I've never been so excited to watch so many Texas Tech defensive players. But um, Ty- Tyler Owens and uh, Miles Cole really flashed in that bowl game. Um, I think Miles Cole was a little bit overshadowed by Tyree Wilson pre-injury, and I think Tyler Owens also maybe battled some injuries and was kind of playing behind Reggie Pearson, who's no longer here. So man, I, I hope we get 12. Do what?
0: He's no longer with us.
2: Well, yeah, it's <laughs> off to a better place. Yeah. Um. I'm excited to see these guys. I hope they're all stay healthy because it, it's just been so long since you had that kind of freakish athleticism on the defensive side of the ball. And it's cool to see it recognized that somewhere like the athletic.
0: If you don't know, Reggie Pearson didn't die. He's just at Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't want to let that linger.
2: He's just in the portal. That's all.
0: Just in the portal.
2: He's gonna. He's going to be included in a lot of highlight plays this season. For both just, teams. Just like he was last year, yeah, for both yeah. teams.
0: For both teams. That's true. And uh, we appreciate all the comments we're getting tonight.
2: Yeah, Hey, I, I'm i not trying to be contrarian, but yeah, UCF and their fans kind of came into the Big 12 guns blazing, and I don't think they made the best first impression with some fan bases. I think they've got a lot of haters and a lot of schools preying on their downfall. I I can't help but like them. I I like their fans. I like Gus Malzahn. I like John Rice Plumley. I like the Bounce House, and so I feel like while everybody's hating on UCF, I'm obviously besides Texas Tech, they're going to be one of those teams that I'm quietly like if they're playing some random non-con game or they're playing, I don't know, Cincinnati or somebody like certainly Houston in the space race. I'm I don't know. I'm starting to endear myself to ucf i think
0: fair enough i can't tell you not to
2: i can't be a hater everybody else is but i, I just can't do it i can't get there
0: you know what else i've been endearing myself to what is that rob the Wreckham outdoors instagram page they've got you the love i can't stop looking at it i love these fish man uh i wish i could go out there he says uh, captain press along says it's all west texas but if you're gonna be at the coast of west texas at legendary baffin bay check him out red raider owned wreck him outdoors with captain preston long he'll get you hooked up they uh weighed fish which means you're out in the water standing in the bay uh trying to catch some fish and they catch some big ones you can find them wreckhamoutdoors.com or Outdoors wreckhamoutdoors on instagram one of my favorite follows for sure
2: I worry about you sometimes. I, I just think about you, and I'm like, he's probably just looking at fish on Instagram. You know. It's like
0: that meme where the, the wife's like, he's probably thinking about other girls.
2: Yeah. Rob's just looking at fish on Instagram.
0: Just looking at fish on Instagram. <laughs> Specifically, recommend outdoors, fish. Yeah. All right. So, uh, it's kind of a dead week this week in between getting to football. Uh, we've had some – uh, professional football going on, but no college football, really. It's kind of a dead period. uh Do you have any thoughts on Deuce Vaughn's debut? I know you're a big Kansas State guy.
2: Yeah, there was just one. Uh, he had a good game, obviously, but there was one clip in particular. Who were they playing? The Jaguars? Yes. The Jags from the end zone. Yes. And he's got three defenders that have like triangulated him and he makes two of them fall into each other and the third guy is like, how did he get out of this? <laughs> But, you know, we saw that a bunch at Kansas State. And I was actually thinking, uh, I was listening to a Kansas State offensive preview podcast. And they were talking about how last year's K-State team, especially before Will Howard took over for Adrian Martinez, how dependent they were on explosive plays. And they cited the Texas Tech game. It was like Adrian Martinez, 70-yard run, nothing, nothing, nothing. Deuce Vaughn, 60-yard run, nothing, nothing, nothing. So I was thinking back to Texas Tech, Like, on 85% of those plays, you bottled him up. But when he got loose, like, his final stat line looks like he torched us for 60 minutes. And so I, you know, I was never worried about his size. And I I thought he's going to be a good player in the NFL. And I knew he's going to fall in the draft because he's a short king. But it's no surprise to me that he's tearing it up. And I know it's just preseason. But he'll have a good – he'll have an eight-year career in the NFL and, and be really productive and efficient. So that was cool to see glad he's doing it with my Cowboys, you know, long time coming for my favorite franchise in the NFL. So that was, that was fun.
0: Our Cowboys, our Cowboys. Yeah. Our Cowboys. All right. Ready for a mailbag.
2: I got one more thought. Okay. Well, I, I want your thoughts. Uh, big 12 championship game halftime show.
0: Oh yeah. We, we would be remiss not to say this.
2: Da, da, na, na. Hot in.
0: What do you think about Nellie? He is not young. He is hip. He is cool. Um, Two out of three ain't bad, I guess, for Nelly. Uh, You know, dream scenario would have been like Post Malone, having a huge concert, like people showing up just for the halftime show. Nelly is not going to sell any tickets, I would assume. Nelly is not going to... Uh, break the bank for Brett Yormark. It's going to be a cheap option, I'm sure. Post Malone probably too expensive for the conference right now, but I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at Nelly.
2: Doesn't Post Malone's dad work for Jerry World? Like, isn't he head of concessions at that stadium or something like that? I don't know. I've got I've got like a yin and yang thought. Like, I see some upside. I so Brett Yormark. Came to the Big 12 from Rock Nation, like he's boys with Jay Z, yeah, and Rihanna, and his literal twin brother Michael Yormark is president and CEO of Rock Nation. So on one hand, I'm like, you know, they all could have pulled some strings right and like gotten like maybe not Jay Z, but one of Jay Z's prodigies or friends or whatever, maybe Jay Z's wife. AKA Beyonce. I, I don't know. So on that hand, when, you know, they say it's Nelly, I'm like, okay, like felt like we could have maybe shot for the stars a little bit. Oh, and your has this um, business council entertainment committee, whatever that like yeah. Garth Garth Brooks is on. And so I'm like, yeah. you know, Jay-Z and Garth couldn't come up with somebody that, you know, they have ties to better than Nelly. But, but on the other hand, I was reading a little bit about how, Gen Z, the young, hip, cool people in our society today, yeah, really have an affinity for nostalgia, just as like a concept. So like they wear clothes that look like they belong in the '90s. They like throwback type, you know, vintage stuff. And so I thought about this actually. Well, somebody pointed out made me think of it that when Colorado joined the Big 12 and they did that Michael Jordan press release, like that's an homage to the '90s. Right, so maybe some young hip, cool Gen Z kids thought that was cool that they were like emulating Michael Jordan's announcement that he was unretiring. So I'm kind of like, well, maybe some young millennials that grew up on Nelly are like really jazzed about. Maybe they're going for some kind of like nostalgia throwback instead of trying to find somebody that is super cool and famous right now. I don't know. I like I'll enjoy it, but I'm of the age demographic. Like when I was growing up, Nelly was the number one musician. And my mom, like, didn't want me to listen to him. So that made it even cool. I was like, oh, I'm not allowed to listen to Nelly. So when I go to school and my friend has a Walkman, I'm going to listen to Nelly on it. Right. But he was, you know, I I went to his Wikipedia page and, like, Billboard named Nelly the number three artist of the 2000s, you know, like, between 2000 and 2009. So if we're going for nostalgia of an era gone by, he's tops for... For that decade, I guess so, so.
0: he hits the millennials that'll be there. He hits Gen Z because they're trying to get back into the '90s and and '2000s era. Is that what yeah? You're I, don't,
2: I don't know. Like, are you saying that we're throwback? I, I guess we're old enough now at this oh, point. God. Yeah, it'd be like if if Kurt Cobain, God rest his soul, like if they brought out Nirvana in two thousand nine, people be like Nirvana, you know that was. 15 20 years ago but it'd be cool to the people that were like 35 of them like oh I was in college when Nirvana was blowing up so I don't know maybe you hit like a age demographic that's 30 or 35 like oh yeah I remember listening to Nelly back in middle school 25 or, years ago or maybe they just couldn't get anybody bigger and better I don't know
0: when did uh, country grammar come out
2: I think like 2004 know? I don't know 2000. 2000? Yeah. Okay, I was thinking more like 2003 yeah, would, to 2006.
0: I was in junior high when Nelly was breaking out, and then in high school when he was at the top of the charts.
2: Get to step in in your Air
0: Force ones.
2: Is he going to do a duet with, is it Kelly Rowland? Um, Furtado? No.
0: <laughs> oh, He does another one.
2: Is, that, yeah, ja is that no? It's Nelly and Kelly Rowland, Dilemma? Yeah,
0: but uh, Furtado and Ja Rule is what I was thinking of.
2: Oh, I, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, uh, what is it? My Boo, no, that's Usher and Alicia Keys. Oh, damn. What are you talking about? What are you talking about?
0: I don't know. I'm getting all these songs confused, man.
2: It's Nelly been... and Tim McGraw have a duet, that's true. Over and over again.
0: That was one of the best tweets on the whole Nelly thing, too, by the way.
2: Whoever if tweeted that from our account. If it's uh, if it's Nelly and Tim McGraw, like... No. Florida Georgia line? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm joking. No, 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 no. I, but I, also, both- I also feel like if you're going to go that far back and somebody who's... This is not a shot at Nelly. I like Nelly. But someone yep. who's not currently relevant... Go all in and like, there were all the memes about Creed's halftime show at the former Cowboys. Just get Nickelback or Creed and like make it a funny, yes, like an anti halftime show at Jerry World. Creed
0: would have been awesome. And they're re- reuniting,
2: yes, just get them on their reunite tour. So freaking cool. Tour. They want to play in Arlington in front of 60,000 people. That'd be awesome
0: with the people flying around on silk,
2: yes. I would Big go to a Big, Big Twelve. I would go to a Big Twelve championship game between Texas and OU if it meant Creed performing at the halftime show. I'd be that into it. <laughs> I would leave after halftime, but I would still go.
0: You saying Creed would sell tickets? Nelly's not selling tickets, but Creed would
2: for a small sliver of our society, like me and a couple people. But yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, Tyler says, "I think we should have stand-up comedy at halftime shows. Imagine seeing Tom Segura during halftime." I think people would not be into that. Blink-182? Yeah, they're touring.
2: Corn and Limp biscuit says Mooney.
0: Tyler also said uh, Sam Smith to make my dad squirm. Do you know who Sam Smith is?
2: Yeah, I used to like Sam Smith. (laughs) He kind of went off the rails a little bit.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Something unholy. What
2: was his, what was that, like 2014? Man, that was a long time ago. 2014 yeah. is when Sam Smith – that was a decade ago. Holy cow. Yeah, I like only know Sam Smith music from that first album pretty much.
0: All in on Creed. Let's do a holograph of John Denver. Root wants Brett Yormark to take us higher. I believe all the UCF fans have left so we can do, uh, do the mailbag now.
2: Okay. You ready? For Barnett, Howard, and Williams mailbag.
0: Do you want to do the rest of the ad read now?
2: or? I'm, I'm going to leave like a cliffhanger right there. Keep the people in suspense for the rest of the ad read.
0: You've got mail.
1: Mail time. Mail time. Mail time.
2: The mail's here. Come on. I found these in my mail bag. Well, it's time to
1: reach into the old mail bag here. Enjoy reading the fan mail. Don't read it all at once.
2: Any
0: mail for me? You don't have a tic tac, do you? Did I get any mail? No. Why not, honey? Uh, first question from Big Hens. So, how's Kansas State looking, Kyle?
2: Kansas I State. Add- I what? I added Kyle to the end. Oh. Um. I can't tell if they're actually going to reload pretty well or if if they've got Shimanek Mahomes syndrome, because they're like, well, you know, like, yeah, we lost Deuce Vaughn, but this other guy, and I'm I'm like, you know, do I believe that? We lost our top two wide receivers, but these other guys have a lot of hype in fall camp. So I don't know. I could see their season going either way. I'm not sure.
0: Who had a worse Monday, the Tui family or Wander Franco? Who's that? Oh, boy. Uh, the Tui family was Michael Orge.
2: I, I know who that is. Who's the other guy?
0: Wander Franco may or may not be involved with a 14-year-old.
2: But who is is that like a singer?
0: He is a shortstop for the Rays.
2: Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know him for sure. That's disgusting. Yes.
0: Uh, start, bench, cut these neo-Westerns. No Country for Old Men, Hell or High Water, Wind River. What do you think? Starting No Country for Old Men, benching Hell or High Water.
2: I probably would, but begrudgingly, because Wind River is also a really, really good movie. That's a tough one. Is that with Nicole Kidman? I don't think so.
0: Is that Cold Mountain?
2: Maybe. Wind River is Jeremy Renner.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah, I've seen that.
2: I think it's in Wyoming or Idaho or North Dakota. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Up on a mountain. I have seen that one. Uh, How far could Kyle go in American Ninja Warrior?
2: Oh, I would win the whole thing. They won't let me in.
0: Pretty good grip strength.
2: Yeah, obstacle course type stuff like that. I'd I'd be really good at that. They won't let you in? You're too good? Probably. I saw some feedback about the Gauchos on a message board, and this guy said that – our whole shtick is arguing for an hour and he said, Kyle is as arrogant as they come. And so I'm just going to lean into it now. Now I'm like, I don't know if he took me seriously when I said I could fight a bear and he thinks I'm like a really arrogant person because of stuff like that. Or maybe I just exude a lot of arrogance unintentionally. I don't know. I think you're confident, but yeah, I would win American Ninja warrior. No doubt.
0: Uh, If you were in charge of the new NCAA football game, what features animations are you adding to the crowds and fans in the game? This could also include having cameramen, water girls, and cheerleaders getting trucked. (laughs) What What about the swag surf?
2: I don't think I really care that much about those elements of the video game. I'm more interested in, like, can you make the playoff expandable? What can you do with conferences
0: can you make the conferences go beyond 16 teams? Cause you can't right now.
2: Right. I mean, they're gonna have to, cause the big 10 is going to have 18 right. teams. Right. Um, I would, this would be fun. Like whatever program you're at, they have resources based on their TV media deal. And as you go in dynasty mode and it's 2046 or whatever, you have to like go renegotiate a media deal. In, like your school, make a different amount of money based on that'd be funny.
0: Yeah. an AD mode.
2: I'm probably not going to enjoy that game if it's realistic because if I am in dynasty mode and I have like 14 guys hit the portal, I'm going to be like, okay, this.
0: Yeah, I would be so mad.
2: Like, it's one thing if you're getting paid five million to manage a roster like this, but I'm just wasting my Saturday doing it. So. But if you could pull in,
0: and if you have to recruit transfers, that's a whole other thing.
2: Yeah, you should be allowed to like risk NCAA sanctions to tamper with student because like we all know what happens like let's not pretend it doesn't so right you're like do you want to tamper a little bit with for low risk of NCAA sanctions or do you want to tamper a lot and you know there's a 60 percent chance you get found out that'd be fun
0: did you ever just GM or sim through whole seasons and just recruit
2: yeah that's literally all I do you never played the game I'll I'll play like big like top five matchups like
0: play the national championship yeah
2: conference championship games if it's a big recruiting weekend and I've got like 12 visitors, I want to win, you know, 60 to zero, but no, I, I find the roster management element actually more fun than like playing the video game. Do you play defense or just offense? Uh, just offense unless I have to.
0: Yeah. Same. Do you ever play like the show? Yeah. Just GM the crap out of it. Yeah, I hardly yeah. play games at all on the show. I just GM. Do you ever there play was- head coach? No, see that game sucked. Big Hint says you seem like that kind of guy,
2: but did you ever play NFL Blitz where you could like take steroids and oh, yeah, like Blitz 2000? Yeah, you'd risk getting caught. Like, I want something like that, but with tampering and like NIL violations and stuff like that. Uh, Luke says, Are you a fan of CC's?
0: Parentheses question for Rob. Parentheses, I don't know why that's specific to me, but um. I went every Wednesday in high school during football season because our team went to CC's and kind of got tired of CC's. We call it greases or feces toward the end. So I had not been to CC's in maybe a decade or more.
2: I would be happy to share my thoughts on CC's, but clearly he doesn't really care what I think about CC's. Share what you think. Yeah.
0: Uh, What's the best smelling cleaning product and why is it spray away? Spray away. That is the, the the metal can with the white lid, the window cleaner, I believe.
2: I'm a Pine saw guy.
0: I do enjoy the smell of Sprayway. Somebody says Purple Fabuloso,
2: but... Classic Febreze.
0: Do you want to draft uh, Picador basketball teams, or do you need to meet more Picadors before we do something like that?
2: I need to do more research because the tall pickadors all said, don't pick me, I suck at basketball.
0: I would take Nate, number one. But I don't know what else we're doing.
2: Obviously, as an arrogant person, I'm taking myself. Okay. Be I'm, because I'm so arrogant. Well, I'll be a coach, player, GM. Okay. I'll, I'll Sonny Cumbie it. Jackie Moon it. Because I'm just that good, you know.
0: Take Tucker Lowrance.
2: Do you like the arrogant bit or should I drop that before it gets started? Bit? <laughs> don't <laughs> we're not doing that
0: uh, alright we'll skip that I also feel like it's just too far into the weeds for uh, a, a national audience that we have now Uh would UTSA getting picked up by the pack be a net positive or net negative for Texas Tech
2: probably oh. net neutral
0: Yeah, I don't think that matters at all.
2: If they got picked up by the old pack, like if they added UTSA instead of SMU and San Diego State and they were playing with Oregon and Utah, and all, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's a that's a legit Power 5 team in state, so that would probably hurt you. But no, not the – if they joined the Pack 4, I mean, that's whatever.
0: Chase, you were my next pick. Tucker Lawrence was a Floyd A Whirlwind. In the comments, Chase is saying, um, hello. That we didn't pick him yet. Uh, start, bench cut these comedians.
2: Floyd data reminded me of one of our first bits as a podcast, which was that Colby Carthel was from Floyd data.
0: Floyd data. Yeah. Not Idle.
2: <laughs> or uh, Friona was the Freona.
0: other. Yeah. Friona. That was funny. I both. I think we got a DM from, from him clarifying.
2: Oh, he tweeted that he like, us. he was like, I'm from kind of like three places. He, he, he claims like Lubbock, Friona, and Floyd data. I think. But yeah, when we first said that, like two or three people on Twitter were like, actually he's from Friona. And so then we were like, you know, Floyd data native like, Colby Carthel. Yeah. <laughs> uh start, bench cut these comedians, Shane Gillis, Burt Kreischer,
0: Tom Segura
2: over under that I know who any of those three people are
0: as comedians Tom Segura is number one Shane Gillis would bench Burt Crusher would be cut I think you would like Shane Gillis I think you would like Tom Segura too of course I don't really know if you like stand-up you're a stand-up guy
2: some would say so okay like, <laughs> hey, man you're you're a stand-up guy yeah yeah, yeah. I get it um and up comedy yeah, I like – so as long as it's not too much profanity. I'm not offended by profanity, but I feel like some comedians use it as a crutch. Yeah. And, like, to me, just, like, cussing out the audience isn't funny. Right. So if you can, like, actually be funny without 500 F-bombs, then, yeah, I do like stand-up. I liked Mitch Hedberg clips when I was yeah in middle school. I really like that kind of, like, dry humor. Stephen Wright. Yeah.
0: He's a good one. I think we've talked about him before. Uh, which Texas Tech celebrity are you picking to be your partner on the Pyramid Game Show? Uh, Mahomes. Mahomes. Yeah. Sorry, I was reading a comment. I don't think. I don't think. This is Rob. Didn't you just say nobody would like Tom Seger at halftime? I don't think stand-up comedy would play at a halftime where you're just coming out of a. Like nobody would be. Nobody would be focused enough for a stand up show, I don't think. Kyle would like Sam Morrill? Yes, I believe he would. He's he's very dry. Not in the same way as the one liner jokes, though. He's a he's a misdirectionist. He'll get you going one way and then pop you with a punchline. And it's usually way over the top. <laughs> uh you know what, Mahomes is a good answer. I'll go Mahomes too. Uh, From the last episode, what ingredients go inside Kyle's sheet pan layered nachos? I'm not going to say lasagna nachos.
2: Yeah, I was quoted as saying lasagna. I never called it that. I I don't eat lasagna nachos.
0: Just layered Uh, nachos.
2: I I resent the implication, but, uh, you know, it kind of depends what's around. Ideally, obviously, you've got the uh, tortilla chips and cheese. I'm not a beans on nachos guy. So if I've got like some grilled chicken, I can shred that like some cilantro lime jalapeno chicken, put that on there, or just ground beef. Uh, maybe a little bit of, like, diced onions, tomatoes, jalapenos, stuff like that. Sounds great. But, yeah, not a big beans on nachos guy.
0: Do you like the nachos where it's just, uh, like, a one individual layer? Like, they just nacho each chip, and it's a big chip? Yeah. You ever seen that?
2: Mm-hmm. Like a tostada, kind of?
0: Yeah, kind of.
2: It's a chip triangle. Speaking of stand-up comedy, that's a Jim Gaffigan bit about Mexican food. He said like one of his first jobs was at a Mexican restaurant, and people would walk in, and they didn't know what the menu was. They're like, hey, what's a tostada? And he'd be like, "Uh, it's a tortilla with meat, cheese, and beans on it. They're like, oh, okay. How about uh, enchilada? He's like, well, it's a tortilla with meat and cheese on it like okay what's uh he goes look it's all a tortilla with meat and cheese on it just pick one and I'll bring it to you
0: Jim Gaffigan so that's your that's your level of uh stand up there
2: I like some Gaffigan stuff yeah, yeah. Um, When i was 14 hot pockets was the funniest thing in the world i, I don't know if i would God, laugh God, at that God. now No i don't think so What what i do like that Gaffigan does that, i think is hilarious is when He tells a joke that he knows offensive to some people in the audience, and then he mimics the response of that person. So,
1: like, the
2: I especially like this one as a NASCAR fan, but in the Hot Pockets stand-up routine, he's like, you know, you hillbilly, enjoy the next NASCAR event. He waits for, like, the applause to die down, and he's like, hey, I like NASCAR. He's a jerk.
0: Start, bench, process, cut, Texas toast, cinnamon toast, French toast, and days old meal prepped toast. <laughs> We're never getting away from the meal oh, prepped.
2: I'm starting days old meal prepped toast.
0: That is just, if you're not in the discord, that has been a, a hot topic since our last episode of meal prepped toast.
1: Hot
2: topic. Uh, benching, is it cinnamon toast? Cinnamon toast, French toast, Texas toast. Benching cinnamon toast, processing Texas toast, cutting French toast.
0: Cutting French toast?
2: Yeah, it's, it's when done right, it's good, but it's not done right often enough.
0: It's also the third best out of the waffle pancake genre. Agreed. I would cut it in that as well. Big Hen is vindicated from a comment uh, I just got texted to me. Uh, this question is probably mostly for Rob since he tends to see more movies. See, this is what you do, Kyle. You act like you don't watch movies or you don't know pop culture. And then, and then I have to answer these questions here.
2: I don't act like anything. I, I tell people when I haven't seen a movie,
0: this is absolutely for you though, by the way, because you, you worked at a movie theater.
2: People forget. People forget.
0: What's the greatest movie theater experience you've had in terms of maybe a scene or in a specific movie that got you hyped. Fully engaged. I watched Avatar probably a full year after it had come out, but it was still in theaters because they kept it in there forever. So I went and watched that and I was like one of six people in the theater, but I was very invested in Avatar. I love that movie. In the theater. It was really cool in the theater. You know, it was IMAX. Six people in there, so nobody's bothering you. Nobody's eating pickles beside you. Fully invested. I screamed. It worked when Jake Sully uh, got on the big tree, was uh, turned into a blue guy. Probably Avatar, or Interstellar, or um, what's the one with Leonardo DiCaprio where the the top doesn't fall at the end? Inception. Inception. That was a good one.
2: Or does it fall at the end?
0: That's the question. Do you have a favorite movie in a theater?
2: Not specifically, but I do remember um, I was probably 17 when the True Grit remake came out. And had never seen a Western before. I had, like, um, well, in my mind, I'm like, oh, Westerns were filmed in the 50s with, like, crappy – I was like, I don't want to watch that. Like, doesn't look real. It's corny acting. But my mom was like, no, this is a classic movie. We should go watch so I actually went and saw True with my mom. Got free tickets because I worked at the movie theater. And, of course, the technology in a modern production is way better, but there's a cool scene there. I can't really spoil a movie that's – 50 years old, but yeah, uh, kind of toward the end, you know, it's Marshall Cogburn versus the bad guys. And I think it's like one on three, one on four. And, uh, you know, they're like standing off across the field from each other on horseback. And he basically says like, I aim to kill you in one minute or you can turn yourself over. What will it be? And uh bad guy says, I call that bold talk for a one-eyed fat man. Cause he's got an eye patch. And, uh, So these horses race off toward each other. He puts the reins in his mouth and he's like dual wielding his pistols and hitting these guys on the run. Almost gets them all. Uh, He shoots, he kills two of them, shoots one of them, but he survives and he like walks up and he says, you know, rooster, I am shot to pieces. I guess neither one of us is making it to that judge. And then from like hundreds of yards away, uh, what is Labeef's gun called? He, Oh, I... The something carbine, he calls it. Yeah, uh, and he he hits the bad guy from hundreds of yards away and saves Rooster Cogburn's life. So anyway, that scene like in the remake is is really cool. Fill your hand, and uh, and now I love westerns. I was like, okay, this is this is cool. And so I last summer, I guess, really started. I was like, I seem to like watch all of these. And so I just looked up Clint Eastwood movies from oldest to newest and watched every single one that was of the Western genre and need to watch more still. But that's probably my favorite genre of movie now.
0: Have you seen some John Wayne movies now, too?
2: No, not yet.
0: Have you watched the old True Grit?
2: Yeah, yeah, I saw that one. But right. um...
0: yeah, you need to watch The Searchers and
2: Liberty. Well, I, I saw so many old Eastwood ones that I was like, I should watch so watch some of these Neo Westerns now too. So like I saw old country or no country for old men for the first time a couple of weeks ago. So I held high water when it first came out, but I need to watch some of those as well. That are more like nineties and more modern young guns. You've seen young guns.
0: Uh, let's see how many pers of air force ones have you owned? None. One. I had a pair of all white air force ones. My senior year of high school. All white? All white.
2: Yeah, that's that's classic. High Tops. Give me two purr. What's your favorite? I need two purr. This is the so I <laughs> can get to stomping in my Air Force ones. Sorry, what were you trying to ask me?
0: What's your favorite Nelly song?
2: Man, you've put me in quite the dilemma. It's getting hot in here as I try to Ponder that question.
0: Am
2: I grilling you with these questions? Oh, nice. He had one that I liked in high school. I don't know if it was called Warrior or Warriors, but that was my high school mascot, the Warriors. And so we liked that one. It's kind of an anthem for us. Um, pimp, juice. Was- pimp Juice. Pimp Juice.
0: See, only want me for my pimp juice. Think I got a little loose.
2: Um, no, that's not a very good song. What? What's my favorite Nelly song? What's the one? Just a dream. It's only just a dream. No, that's a pretty good one. He, had, he like, he evolved a lot. He was like just a straight up rapper and then he was doing yeah. duets with Tim McGraw and. Yeah, anyway. I don't know.
0: Grills is probably my favorite Nelly song. Paul Wall featured.
2: Big Twelve no, legends, Paul ball. Wall.
0: Like a disco Ball. Uh, should Big Hen sell his pre-toasted bread in stores? If so, <laughs> what would his company name be? Toast. Yeah, I don't. Big Hen I toast. don't know. <laughs> Um, what is your beige flag? What does that mean? That's the next question. Does Kyle know what a beige flag is? It's in between a red flag and a green flag. Are you familiar with those? Yeah. In dating? Yeah. A red flag and a green flag. Well, there's a beige flag now that you have some paws on. Dude, these
2: kids today are so stupid. Like, what is a beige flag? Yeah. Like I noticed something about this other person that isn't
0: like necessarily
2: astronomy. positive or negative.
0: Yeah, like a, like if they're focused on astronomy a lot. Like, you don't oh, have to man. label
2: every kind of observation. Yeah. Like, oh, he likes dogs, beige flag. That's Are you kidding me? I realize I sound like an old man, but...
0: A little bit. Uh, do you think the ASU president, Michael Crow, has an incredibly smooth brain? <laughs> I'm going to rattle off these questions. Has he ever streamed anything in his entire life? Does he still have a flip phone? Is he aware that YouTube or ESPN Plus exist and that people have been able to replay whole sporting events for the last 15 years plus? Did you see his comments today?
2: Yeah. I, I can attest some of the smartest people I know are university professors, but those same people are also really dumb in other ways. Like, you might be able to – I had a professor that had, like, literally written textbooks on all sorts of – but I don't know. Like, wouldn't trust him to cross the street. I was like, how can you be this smart but this dumb at the same time? When, did you see also that the Pac-12, some math professor at one of their schools was like, oh, no, you guys are worth $50 million, and they just, like, all went with it? Yeah. And that's why they didn't take the $30 million Yeah, some
0: math, some math professor. I bet it was him. But bet Michael Crow went to a math professor and they were like, no, it's $50 million. They didn't specify what uh, Pac-12 school it was, did they? No. Uh, who has the best food, 34th Street, 50th Street, or 19th Street? This is in Lubbock.
2: My gut says 34th.
0: Yeah. Your gut is right. It's 34th. Picantes. No free ads. We don't need to list them all. Lots of great Mexican food on 34th Street, though.
2: If your business wants to sponsor the Gauchos, strike while the iron is hot. Football season is the time to get in. Let us know. And And we'll we'll give you some not free ads.
0: We'll accept more than two sponsors. You know, you know. Uh Rob, would you dog sit your friends' dogs at your place? Um no, they can stay where they are. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a base flag.
0: I have I have dog sit lots of friends and I've never needed to bring them to my apartment.
2: Yeah. Big time base flag.
0: Is it I dog sit your dogs, I didn't Apparently. bring them to my house.
2: Yeah, I know. I I wouldn't have wanted you to. It's just like a lot of extra work.
0: Uh, If all the Picadors caught a goldfish at the same time, whose would die first? Uh, Mr. Root's cats would eat the goldfish. What do you think?
2: I like that answer. Steven (laughs) Stevens. That was, yeah, that came to mind.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love Steven's. What do you make of Dion's "If one fights, we all fight" comment?
2: Um, I think I understand where he's coming from, but I think that's pretty stupid in practice because I don't, it's just the opposite of what every other coach teaches. Like, you're not supposed to re, to retaliate. You're not supposed to be selfish and get a 15-yard penalty for your team. So if you're coaching your guys, like, hey, if one dude swings after the play, like, everybody better get off the sideline and go start a brawl, like, okay, that's a good way to, like, maybe have to forfeit a game that you could have otherwise won. Suspended. Yeah, so I – again, I get the concept. Like, if one of your teammates needs your assistance, like, we better all go help, but I don't know about starting fights.
0: I wonder if it was in a larger context because, you know, you just get the – a smaller context. I wonder if it's like, uh, you know, if one of your teammates is tired, we're all tired. If one of your teammates is injured, we're all injured. That kind of speech, you know, they give that a lot. They just got stuck on the fighting bit for a long time and they put it out. Now, that's what happens when everything you say in a practice gets put out on social media. There is a such thing as too much. Start bench, process cut, post grunge bans, Foo Fighters Creed. Seether, Bush. Can I guess yours? Sure. You're starting Creed. You're cutting Foo Fighters. Uh, Flip of the coin, benching Bush, processing Seether.
2: I would process Foo Fighters, bench Bush, and I'm cutting Seether. Seether? Yeah, I've never heard of that.
0: Never heard of Seether? Mm-mm. You know, now that I say that, I probably couldn't tell you. Uh, Oh, they sing that song with Evanescence.
2: I know two songs by Evanescence, and I don't think either one of them features somebody else.
0: Oh, maybe maybe Cedar was just married to Evanescence lady for a while. I don't know. They were tied together somehow. Any plans on getting a Wyoming expert on before Laramie? Yeah. Yes. How long until the podcast eclipses the three-hour mark? Uh, An hour and a half today. Ever? I think we've had a three-hour podcast. Have we before? There was one where we cut an entire hour and put it on Patreon. We were up to like midnight that night. Yeah. Yeah. The baseball preview from February was close with Keith. Keith's long-winded. Shots fired. Oft referenced Keith Patrick to the podcast. Uh, Ross says, see, there is the most spare of those. Cut them. That's all I got, Kyle. You got some final thoughts? I see you pulling them up there.
2: Yeah, let's see what we got. All right. There are no shortcuts to any place worth going. Mm.
0: (laughs) That's a good Mm. one. There are no shortcuts to any place worth going. That's right. Hard work, baby. All right.
2: That's all I got. Same. Love y'all.